The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As children, we are forever asking the question, why? Yet, at some point, as we move into adulthood, the question gets easily answered with something similar to, just because. Why did we stop asking why? Welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show, a program where we not only strive to answer those why questions, but we'll find out how to ask more and not settle for just because. Now, here's Mickey Ellison. Good morning and welcome to the Mickey Ellison Show. Uh, This is Mickey Ellison. I'm going to start this show um, going back about six, seven weeks ago. Um, I had a guest on the show, uh, a guy named John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project. And it was just an accident that John came onto the show because my brother sent me a Facebook post talking about the road to nowhere. And as I started reading it, I started seeing a lot of things. And it's talking about youth sports and the specialization that a lot of the kids are going on. And since then, we've had a couple other shows with John's been back on. We had Rob Miller come on uh, last week to talk about the same type of situation and, and and two to talk about the importance of youth sports and in, in, in developing character with kids and, and moving on but it's in the middle of baseball season right now and of, of all the sports that are out there there is no sport that I love more than than the game that has actually brought me to Wichita Kansas it helped me meet my meet my wife and there has been an epidemic in the last uh, year or so. I, I read on, on, on Yahoo Sports the other day that there are 33 guys that have had Tommy John surgery uh, this year alone. And there's a, an epidemic in youth baseball of kids having to have, whether it be Tommy John surgery or injuries or that sort of, sort of thing. And as we started talking about, um, about these things, I, I just – thought what would be better than to actually have Tommy John himself come on to the show to talk about this and you know I thought it was a long shot I, I actually sent uh, ex- my executive producer uh, Nathan Jett sent out a, a an email to, to Tommy and and wanted to talk a little bit about Tommy John's surgery when I saw that email I actually looked at it and thought well there's some other things that I really want to talk about I don't really care about the the medical part of the Tommy John surgery. I have two young boys, an eight-year-old and a thirteen-year-old, that uh, that are playing uh, baseball, and, and and whether they make it to the to the pros or they make it to college, whatever will be my number one goal is they enjoy it and it's something that they can remember forever. But I sent back a, an email to to Tommy, and when I sent that email, I just laid my heart out as to what I believe is going on with baseball and. Uh, I was humbled and nervous about 10 minutes later when I, when I received an email from Tommy John uh, wanting to talk more about it. And ha- he has agreed to be on the show. I have with us today, we have with us Tommy John. If you don't know who Tommy John is and you're a baseball fan, shame on you for that first. Um, Tommy has, uh, the, the surgery has been named after him. And uh, we're just going to talk more and more about this. Hey, Tommy, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Um pleasure to uh, I, I love to talk baseball but 
Actually, if you had me on talking golf, I would be much more excited. Well, we were having a nice little <laughs> little conversation a minute ago about the NCAA uh, championships being out here and in flyover land outside of Wichita, Kansas, about 45 minutes away from here in, in Hutchinson, Kansas, at Prairie Dunes. And if you said earlier as we were talking that you, you had played that before. Is that correct? Well, I played it when I was with the White Sox. I had uh, one of our pitchers, Joe Horlin, uh, had moved from San Antonio and, and had moved up to Wichita. So I, I drove over from Terre Haute, and I visited him um, in Wichita. And we went down and played there a couple of days. And I, for me to go back, I, I need to have Titleist send me a, a, probably a gross of golf balls. Hey, if you, if you can get here, I'll provide the balls. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> we'll go play some. Actually, my my brother that sent me the uh, the post for, for, about changing the game project a couple months ago is actually a golf pro, and he's already said, "Hey, you need to invite Tommy to come play." I said, "Well, Todd, you got enough money to pay for him to come?" <laughs> uh, in, in fact, I tell you, this is a sideline. With um, uh, my girlfriend and I are leaving tomorrow. We're driving down to Nashville. I'm playing in Vince Gill's golf tournament over the weekend. And then it concludes uh, Monday with uh, some touring pros playing with uh, us celebrities and then four other people. And then that night we go over to Vince and Amy's house for a little dinner and a kickback. The next day I'm playing in Darius Rucker's tournament down there. So I'm going to get um, all kind of music out uh, this weekend and Tuesday. And then I go up to Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, my hometown, and one of the things that uh, I think people might find this interesting, uh, back in 1961, uh, I was valedictorian of my high school class. It was about, you know, I said it was no, no big deal because my dad was in the same class as me, but, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. But um, uh, I was valedictorian, and when it came time to graduate, I was not allowed to give my valedictory speech because I had a horrible stammer. And the teachers were embarrassed either for me or for them to have me up there and have me try to give a talk stammering like I did. So I never got to give my valedictory speech. The superintendent of schools of Terre Haute this summer, um, or this, this last year, heard about it, and he was aghast. He said, what? You? And so they worked it out where I am going back 53 years later at age 71, I'm giving my uh, Terre Haute North Vigo High School valedictory speech. Apparently, you, you've worked out that stammering problem, but you know, you started to actually make me a little nervous because Nashville is my old stomping ground. I, I played it at, at Vanderbilt, and now you got me curious as to where you're playing. Where are you playing golf? Um, well, we play at Vince's Club, the Tennessee Golf Club, and then uh, Darius Rucker's tournament is at Vanderbilt Legends. Okay. All right, and that was just built shortly after, uh, maybe right when I was uh, when I was leaving. I I spent a little bit of time in a at an internship out at Hermitage Golf Course where they used to play the Sara Lee Classic. But uh, right, right. But, and uh, you may know the guy that runs uh, Vince's tournament, a guy named Joe Taggart. He's the head of the PGA in Tennessee, and um, uh, we stay down in Cool Springs. Okay, and uh, right. it's uh, you know, and then uh, a Vanderbilt grad comes every year. He comes back to play in that tournament. Um, the money they raise goes to t- Tennessee Junior golfers for scholarships okay. and and learning facilities and things like that. And the the guy's name is Brant Snedeker, 
And oh, Brent yeah, he's a pretty good player. Yeah, yeah. He, he comes back and he plays every year, and, um, and whatever money he wins, he donates back uh, to the charity. What a, what a really cool thing. And, you know, I like it sounds really cool that I played at Vanderbilt. And, you know, the program that Tim Corbin has put together down there in the last uh, last decade or so ha- has really been, if nothing else, miraculous. Tommy, when I played there, our our, our press box was a folding chair, uh, two folding chairs and a table on top of our dugout at first base. And <laughs> well, you know, well, that's like I I only had one baseball scholarship offered to me when I was out of high school and I had 50 uh, basketball scholarships and Vanderbilt was a basketball school that had offered me uh, a scholarship but um, uh, I, I knew that six foot three white guys that couldn't jump very high have no chance in basketball so I opted to play baseball but it wasn't that, that I wasn't any good in baseball it was that baseball in college back then was a Oh, um, oh well, we're, we'll get this out here. And now, I mean, it is a huge money-making deal that these Southeastern Conference, Southwestern Conference, uh, Pac-12s, uh, you know, all these things where they draw eight, ten thousand 10,000 people uh, a game. I mean, they can make some money off of it. And, and it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I love giving back because the Lord has blessed me with doing things that, Maybe a lot of people never had a chance to do, or would never. And and if I don't do that, uh, Mickey, uh, I, I'm I'm not a very good steward of my talents. And, and I really appreciate you you saying that. And, and it it is it is a privilege. Most of us don't get the opportunity to have played at the big league level like you did. While we had those dreams of, of doing so, that and let's be honest, I, I'm I'm fortunate that I have the the degree from Vanderbilt that I have, but when I first signed at Vandy, I had the dream of doing what you did for so many years. And, you know, Tommy, I'm actually reading through through a little bit on your website, and folks, if, if you want to visit Tommy's website, it's TommyJohn25.com. I actually have a link to it on my website as well. But I, I'm looking through this, and, and I'm, I'm looking 26-year major league career. Your, your career in the big leagues actually started eight years before I was born and lasted until the year I graduated from high school. <laughs> well, you know, people ask me that, and I tell them I never had a summer job that, uh, that paid that well. So <laughs> I just... <laughs> But you know, and I, and I'm still uh, uh, I'm still a little sore sometimes when I look at it. You know, I I grew up about two hours outside of Atlanta, being a Braves fan, which was extremely painful at that time, by the way. And uh, you remember those those rivalries when it was it, somehow the Braves wound up in the National League West, uh, being in in Georgia. But anyway, those are some fun times. Um, it, I, I I I do have a hard time. Uh, uh, I did have a hard time pulling for the for the Dodgers because they always beat the Braves every time you guys. It seems like when you guys would come into town. But uh, hey, let's talk a little bit about. And we only have a couple minutes before we go to a break here. But um, youth baseball today, and, and actually, let, let's go and start more with the problems that we're seeing with uh, the epidemic in baseball as far as the elbow injuries go. And, and you know, I just did a minute ago. I, I googled baseball baseball's epidemic of young pitchers. Uh, young hurt or hurt young pitchers, and I got 35 million results when I did that. So obviously something is going on here, and um, I don't think that the uh, I, I think it's a matter of education with with parents and with with uh, youth coaches and 
and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, you had the surgery. You're the first person to actually have the surgery, which is why it's named after you. Um, and, and tell me a little bit about what led to you needing to have, have the surgery, which it, to that point had never been done. Um, when I was 13 years old, I, I went from Little League to Babe Ruth League. And I went from 46 feet to um, 60 feet. Mm-hmm. And I hurt my elbow. I, I, strained, I strained the ligament in my elbow. I, I didn't know what it was then. So we went down and we saw, <laughs> you know, laugh at this. We saw the track coach at uh, my high school, and he was pretty knowledgeable about injuries and all. And, you know, and he said, well, let's just, uh, I, I don't think he should pitch this year. So I didn't pitch at all my 13 year old year. And okay. I came back when I was 14 and I, I pitched fine. And then I, I get to, um, I get to play pro baseball and I get to pro baseball and, um, you know, now I'm starting to pitch every four days and I'd never pitched four days before. Uh huh. And, um, so, you know, my elbow in the 62 got a little tender and then in the 63, it got really sore. And like every time I, I uh, threw my elbow would hurt right on the tip of that bone. Okay. So I, I had a chance, um, uh, that that year, the general manager of our ball club in Charleston, West Virginia, told me, he said, you know, if if you pitch well, and then if, if you go to winter ball, he said, I think Cleveland would look at this and say, well, you know, he pitched good in uh, in the Eastern League, and he really pitched well against some major ex-major league players, AAA players, et cetera, down in Puerto Rico. You know, you may have a chance to make the ball club in 64. Okay. So I go down. And we were talking about this being an overuse injury. Mine probably right then was an overuse injury because I was never used to throwing uh, three three days rest. So I went down, I pitched five, six games in Puerto Rico, and the last game I pitched, uh, I pitched a nine-inning shutout. And the next day I got up and I could not move my arm, could, could not move my elbow. And now I had to tell him because back then you didn't tell about injuries. If you were injured, you sucked it up, baby because they had guys down there that were clamoring to take your job. Uh-huh. And it, I mean, it, it's not like it is now. If you get signed to a, to a big bonus, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that they get that money back out of you. So anyway, um, so um, um, I pitch, and then I had to tell them. So I go home, and Cleveland sends me over to St. Louis, and I meet with the St. Louis Cardinals um, uh, baseball trainer, a guy named Bob Bowman, and Bob examines me, and he said, yeah, yeah, you probably tore some fibers in there, um, so we're going to take you over and let uh, our team doctor give you an injection. Okay. Okay. I never uh, had, hey, let's, I'd let's never had a right cortisone there. Hey, injection. Hey, Tommy, let's stop right there, because you got to come back after this break to hear what hear okay. the, the story, because I actually uh, heard a little bit of this when you were on another show, and, and I think it's it, it actually will just blow your mind what they they actually did to you to to help you go to pitch. Folks, we'll be back in a minute after this break. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at money-planning.com. Now back to the show. All righty. This is the 15th week of the show. You can actually email me, mickey at mickeyellison.com. That works just as well, too. But uh, uh, this week has been – this is my favorite show, and, and I'm not even – I thought I might be nervous having Tommy John on a, as a guest, but I'm actually more excited because I think there's a lot to learn from it. And before we went to the break, we were, Tommy had started going into um, what led up to him having the, the actual surgery. And, and when we left off, he mentioned something about an injection, and you have got to hear this story because I heard this on another show. And it'll just blow your mind what they, what, what they did to you, Tommy. You're on a you want to come uh, finish the story? Was, this was 1963, and I was over in St. Louis, and uh, Bob Bowman, the St. Louis Cardinal trainer, took me in to see their uh, orthopedic surgeon, a guy named I.C. Middleman. And um, I was sitting in his office the day John F. Kennedy was assassinated. November 22nd, 1963, I got my first cortisone injection into my elbow. When the ligament ruptured in 1974, I probably had 40 injections in my elbow. And oh my those gosh. were to keep me pitching. And, you know, back then, that was the norm. The norm was, um, the norm was, uh, you, you, if you, if your arm hurt or whatever, you got an injection. You, your arm hurt, you got an injection. And, um, they didn't know the consequences of what was going on. And uh, when I told Dr. Job about it he, later, he went, oh, my God. He said, it's a wonder that you lasted as long as it did. So, you know, that was, mine was probably started as, as overused pitching every four days because I wasn't used to it. But um, we, um, we uh, 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 did the uh, thing with the, with the injections. And uh, then all of a sudden, I've got to have surgery to keep me in the game. And, and uh, people ask me, were you scared? And I said, my God, no. Because he told me, he said, um, if 
you don't, you really don't need the surgery. He said, you'll be fine. You'll be able to do whatever you want to do. You'll just never be able to pitch Major League Baseball again. Well, I wanted to pitch Major League Baseball again, so there's no downside risk. If, if you're, if you don't have it and you're not going to pitch never, ever, and you have it, you might not pitch, then I'll take might not rather than ever, never, never. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely a better, better uh, option. And it, you know, I'm sure you, you grew to love the game the way that I did. And, and, and the, the thought, I don't even know that the thought when, when my last, uh, last baseball game was against Tennessee and you, you'll get a kick out of this. My, I, my, my claim to fame is my last at bat in college baseball or the last at bat in my career ever. I got struck out by a first baseman. Todd Helton struck me out. Yes, sir. He was a first baseman <laughs> pitcher, wasn't he? Yes, he was. And I actually had a cousin of mine that, that was watching that game. We were actually we were playing the SEC tournament at, at uh, in Columbia, which was kind of cool. I got to finish two hours away from my hometown. And uh, he he's watching Todd pitch, and, and Todd didn't throw really hard. Uh, he and he just could not figure out for the life of him why we couldn't hit him. And my dad reaches over and grabs Andy and says, "Hey, come back here behind home plate." He said, after watching that for about five minutes, he said, "I couldn't figure out how you could even hit it." Is because the ball was going all over the place. But uh, so that's my claim to fame. I'm still mad at Roy Muburn for uh, for not letting me have that one last at bat against a right-handed pitcher because I was, you know, that tells you how good I was, Tommy. I was a left-handed hitting catcher in 1993, and I couldn't get drafted. So <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need to know. Left-handed, left-handed hitting catchers. I I when I was in the the agent business, I told parents, I said, if you want your kid to really be a star, just a left-handed pitcher, and he's had a chance, if he's good, he he doesn't have to be good to be good, but if he's good, he can be great, and then a right-handed pitcher, then a switch-hitting catcher, then a left-handed hitting catcher, and a right-handed hitting catcher. And I said, then everybody else falls back of back of that, and uh, or that's my assessment. I and and I think that if you've got a catcher that can catch, that that can catch first and then hit like a Posada, or a Johnny Bench, or a Thurman Munson, or a Pudge Fisk, it's it 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 it, it makes your ball club ten times better. Yeah, absolutely. So that tells you how great of a baseball player I was that I couldn't even get drafted as a left-handed hitting catcher. But, well, you know, and I Todd, Helton, Todd Helton didn't have uh, the ligament in his elbow. That They drafted him, and they, they looked, and I, I thought they, they were looking at him at maybe out of the bullpen, and, and I, I don't think he had the medial collateral ligament, or UCL, in his uh, in his elbow. Yeah, well, I think there was there was he and what's what's the knuckleballer of the pitches for Toronto now? Um, for, he's from Nashville too. Um, that's the guy. That's the guy. It was it was uh, yeah. He he didn't have it, and they noticed it in a USA Baseball picture. The doctor looked. Oh, look at that arm. It's not the way it should be. Um, <laughs> yeah, it used to be with the Mets. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. R. A. Dickey. That's who it is. R. A. Dickey didn't have R. A. Dickey did not have the UCL, but you know. That's that was my after I had the surgery, and and you know Dr. Job the biggest thing he was worried about was after the surgery was not if I would pitch again, but uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child, and he said, "Do you have means to support your family?" 
Uh-huh. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you have job. You probably aren't going to, you probably aren't going to pitch again. Mm-hmm. Do you have, you know, uh, means to support your family? And that was all he cared about. And, and that tells you what kind of a person he was. You know, he's usually a doctor. Oh, okay, kid, go out there, you know, uh, bust your butt, rehab it, come back, and you'll be fine. Dr. Joe didn't care about that. He cared about Tommy John, the person, rather than Tommy John, the baseball player. Well, and that had to give you even more confidence, and in, in, in that's the man that, that was going to be working on you. And, and, in fact, you also told a story on the other show about um, – his honesty, I think it was, when he was getting ready to perform the surgery because yeah. it had never been done before. Well, he well he had he had done the ligament transplants or tendon transplants on polio patients, but never okay. on major league pitchers. And his thing was, you know, I I I just it's zero in a hundred or or less than five five chances in a hundred. And he said, I, I don't want to do the surgery. I, I wanted it done September 1st. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, I can't have it done until these doctors, their schedules line up and they can be in there with me. And I said, what? Why? And he said, because I don't know what I'm doing and I need them in there with me to guide my hands. Now, when somebody tells you that, I looked at him and I said, man, you are my doctor because you all, all you're saying is you're a human being, you have frailties, you're scared, you don't want you, you want somebody in there to help you. I, I mean, he, he was a brilliant surgeon. There's no getting around that. But sure. he just wanted extra people there uh, telling him, you know, well, maybe because the one, one surgeon he definitely had to have was a hand surgeon who did tendon transplants all the time, and he knew the wares and white wares and all that. But, you know, funny thing is, the surgery itself is done, uh, mine took about two, two and a half hours. Now they're done probably an hour, hour and 15 minutes. I mean, they get them whipped up, whip, whip, bam. But essentially, it's done the same. They, they, they drill tunnels in the bone, in the humerus. They drill tunnels in the, in the ulna, and they figure out the tendon through there and suture it off and it's ready to go so it's essentially done the same way now as it was 40 years ago so it's just amazing and and you know we're, we're getting relatively close to a break and we're gonna well we, i don't want to just talk about the actual surgery and, and things of that nature because i i think what is more important um is that the parents and, and and coaches and and those that are involved in youth baseball and most of the time with with good intentions especially the parents i i even found that uh to be be an issue when i first got into to youth baseball when when i signed up my first my young oldest son to, to play youth baseball here in Wichita, uh, where I grew up in South Carolina, we started uh, signups in March, and the season was finished maybe late June, possibly early July if you made an all-star team, um, as you got to be you know twelve or thirteen years old. And um, when I when I went to sign him up in March, what I found out is this world has changed drastically, and I needed to have signed him up in December. Right, and you know, actually, it was a blessing in disguise at the time because I, I've began. He, he wound up playing with a team which wasn't the greatest team in the world, but he's been with them for going on eight years now. And not only have we seen these kids uh, develop into pretty good baseball players, what more importantly, we're trying to develop them into uh, into better people. Because the reality is, most of them, if not all of them, 
are not going to play at, at the professional level. And there's only a couple that I can see that that just based on where they're at now at 14 that, that are possibly going to play even at a college level. And um, it actually has protected him from some of the craziness that has gone on here. And, and I, you, you've seen it, and, and I've talked to John O'Sullivan and, and Rob Miller about the same things. And, and you know, they're talking about other sports other than just baseball because it's not just a baseball issue. It's actually a, a sports, youth sports issue in general. And uh, it is this newfangled idea that we need to specialize these kids in sports when they're um, when, when – seven, eight, nine, nine years old, you need to get them in speed and agility. And I've talked this whole segment, Tommy, so we're going to get to this when we get back. But we have these kids now that they're going to them at eight years old, which is my youngest boy's age, and said, you know, you need to actually go into speed and agility with your brother, who is 13. And I'm going, dude, when I was eight years old, speed and agility was called basketball. It was right. called, it wasn't soccer. It was, I didn't play that. But, Tommy, we got to go to a break right now. But when we get back, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the problems with specialization and what, uh, what is causing these problems with these young pitchers at 22 and 23 years old in the big leagues having to have Tommy John surgery. And, uh, and we'll expand on that. I've got a couple of folks that want me to ask a couple other questions before we get to the end. I think I know the answers to those questions, but I'm going to ask them for them anyway. Folks, we'll be back with Tommy John here in a minute. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at money-planning.com. 
Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. Tommy John is our guest today, and, and we're talking about about the injuries that we're seeing with, uh, or we're going to now, about the injuries that we've ha- seen at the major league level where I think I read there's 33 uh, people who have actually had Tommy John surgery this year, and that that's not even going into some of these high school kids There's and at some points um, actually having the surgery when they don't necessarily need it. But more importantly, um, Tommy, let's talk a little bit about what's causing this and, and, and why uh, there's all this talk about what Major League Baseball can do. And I think we're actually missing the point, Bill, because by the time these kids are getting to Major League Baseball, it's already happened. Well, it is. Um, I, I think um, if, if you talk to Dr. Andrews or you talk to uh, Dr. Alchek up here in New York or Krimchek in Cincinnati, um, if you could pull Dr. Job or Dr. Uh, Yoakum out of their graves and ask them, everybody would say it's an overuse problem. And what you just said about specializing in baseball at age seven, eight, nine, um, that is the big culprit. And I think why you're seeing the last two or three years an increase in Tommy John surgeries is these kids that are up there in the big leagues now at 22, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 years old are the front part of that group that have done nothing but play baseball since they were youngsters. And the worst thing you can do is pitch 12 months a year. And that's what I, t- I tried to tell the parents when I was in, when we give clinics or when we were going to talking to them about uh, how to prepare their sons and all this. Oh, well, coach so-and-so, like you said, has this facility and he pitched in the minor leagues for the Giants and, and uh, he has two workouts a week and, you know, and he's got a chance to make this travel team. And if he does this, he's got a chance to make that travel team. And all they're doing is not giving this arm that is underdeveloped. The body is underdeveloped a chance to rest. Rest, nature, is a healer. If you shut it down for three or four months in the wintertime, um, you, you've got a good chance of, of that arm healing, and, and you might not have to have Tommy John surgery. There are other things, obviously, poor mechanics and all this, but I think it comes down to overuse, last, lack of muscle strength, and then uh, poor mechanics. But um, if, if you're looking at I, I'm tutoring a kid um, who just graduated from high school this year, and he's going to go to um, a D1 school, Siena. And okay. they have decent baseball. And I said, are you going to try out? No, they don't have club baseball. I said, what do you mean club baseball? Try out for the team. Well, I haven't pitched in the last two years because he was on the wrong side of the fence for the people that ran the baseball program at his high school. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. He, he started as a sophomore, and when he became a junior, the coach said, no, I don't like the way you throw. You aren't going to play as a senior. He says, ah, you can drag the field and, and work on the mounds, but you're not going to get any playing time. And I told the kid, I said, you know, you not throwing for two years may help you more than you'll ever know pitching. I said, because your your arm's healthy. It's strong. You could, you know, and plus you've been working out. You're stronger. I said, I, I, I would believe that you may have had two, three miles an hour onto your fastball and make you at least lookable uh, when you get to Siena. And I said, because you don't have to throw all the time. But he and his mother, his mother was the one that, 
thought that the more he worked out, the more he worked on his hitting, the more he worked on his pitching, the more he worked on this, the better he was. And I kept saying, you're killing the kid. You're killing him. He's got to rest. He's got to rest. Oh, no. The coach said that he's got to work out to make this team, to make that team. And I think that these guys are they're in it for a buck because if they have these facilities that have 18U, 17U, 16U, 15U, 14U, 13U, 12U, so they've got eight, nine different levels of travel teams. Uh-huh. And each travel team, uh, there's 15 kids on a team, so they've got eight. Eight times 15 is, what, 120. 120 times $3,000 is, that's a lot of money. Yeah, you're starting to talk real money now. <laughs> that's a lot of money that these guys are raking in. And at the expense of your kid's arm. And I, I, Bud Selig said that he's dismayed, he's distraught, he wants to do something. And I've gone on and I said, but if you want to do something, get Dr. Andrews, get Dr. Krimchek, get Dr. Elitrage, who took over for Dr. Job's practice, get these guys, get a good exercise physiologist. Uh, there's a guy down in Birmingham named Glenn Fleissig that is outstanding. Get somebody like myself, somebody that's had the surgery, that knows what's going on, has studied it, and put out. You, you can't force people. All you can do is put out an edict or a thing. These are what are recommended by this blue blue chip panel. And that and that is make sure you have good coaching, exercise strong. When the season's over, quit playing, quit pitching. Now you can hit all winter. If you want to hit, you can hit all winter long. It's not going to hurt you. You can't uh-huh. throw all year long. And you just have to the kids will listen. The parents won't, and that's where you're going to have your problems. Yeah, that's been my most difficult part of, of coaching uh, coaching these kids at the ages that I'm at. We we um, uh, two years ago with our older boys team, and, and you know, you, you I don't know whether you agree with us or not. We were playing both league ball and and tournament ball with, with these kids, and last year I decided, you know. Um, we're, we're going to have to cut one or the other out. And we chose to actually cut out league ball because what I looked at, my, my goal in, in coaching baseball, number one goal is that the kids have fun when they go out there and do it. Um, the, the second thing is that when they leave the program, they are somewhat, at least somewhat fundamentally sound, and they love the game of baseball. Those are, those are my goals when they come out. And on top of that, we, we've created a, a, a team called the Kings that stands for Kids and God's Service where we're teaching them more about service and, and the actual characteristics that, that create successful human beings, not just successful baseball players. And right. we, when we went to the tournament deal, the reason I did that was simply because my brother, who coaches our high school baseball team, came to me couple years ago and he says mickey he says i'm running i've got these kids coming in to play high school baseball he says they're playing 100 games a year and not one of them knows how to play baseball he says they're they're getting no coaching so we decided that if we played on the weekend that gives the kids the entire week to rest but also gives us a, a an opportunity to look at those things that they actually need to work on and frankly who cares if they win a U-Triple-S-A, double-A, or triple-A tournament in Hutchinson, Kansas um, next weekend? I mean, it, they care that weekend, but two years from now, it's not going to matter. But the most important thing is we teach these kids how to play the game, how to play it right, and hopefully right. a few of them grow to love it. Well, that's the thing is teach them how to play it, teach them how to play it right, teach them to be responsible for their actions on and off the field. 
Yeah, and, and that is that is the ultimate goal that uh, that I hope happens because I do realize, you know, I I've got a good friend of mine, Matthew LeCroy, that played in the uh, in the Twins organization for for quite some time, and I tell the story, and I want you. There's another player that I want you to tell the story about who was a multi-sport athlete in in high school too, but uh, um, Matthew, up until the time he was 12, thought he was going to play tennis in college. And I don't know if Matthew you know Lee Matthew. Crowley, the tennis player. Yeah, I mean, grew up in a small town of Belton, South Carolina, which was. Come on. Hey, for, hey, I, I, uh, no, they won't let you <laughs> get stuff or chew tobacco on the tennis court because he'd be out there. Oh my God! Oh. I'll tell you oh, what, but, Matthew Lee, he, he could hit. He could absolutely rake. Oh, I, I will I will remember um, it was my senior year. Actually, it was in between my junior and senior year, I was getting ready to come out here to Hayes and play, and my brother was coaching their uh, Matthew's American Legion team. And I knew Matthew's brother, his brother really well. I didn't know Matthew that well because he was four years younger than me. And Todd says, hey, I got this new this catcher you need to come out here and work with. So I go out and work with him for the week I've got off before I come out to, to Hayes to play summer ball in the Jayhawk League. And after that week, Todd asked me, he says, well, what do you think? I said, Todd, I can't help him. He says, what do you mean by you can't help him? I said, dude, he's better than me now. I don't know what I can do for him, but uh, Matthew's a great guy. He um, never lost his, his humility in, in, in being a major league baseball player, and uh, you know I just wish him the best. But you you told a story of another player that that was a multi sport athlete, and I think a lot of parents are missing the boat because being multi sport athletes, you know, I you played basketball, I played basketball. We actually have a lot of things in common. I didn't quite make valedictorian, I made salutatory, and I did have to speak at that deal. Um, and, and, and it, it was the most stuttered. nervous I've ever been. You should have stuttered and that they would have asked you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have stuttered when I actually gave the speech. They didn't know I had that problem until I got nervous. But, uh, um, you know, it, it, I, I, I think one of the best things that, was, that happened for my baseball career was the fact that I did play basketball. It, I was in shape every time we walked out when baseball season started. There was nothing that I, I needed to do. I made it to the, the to the college level, and and frankly, when baseball season ended in in early July, I might not pick up a baseball again until March. And we played wiffle ball in the backyard and and in the swimming pool, but we didn't play anything organized for for any of that period of time. So, uh, so who is who? Do you know who I'm alluding to? Yeah, As sure yeah. All right. Be, who is this guy? Might be, might, might be the biggest horse's hind end in uh, in baseball, but um, I uh, I managed against him. Art managed uh, in in high school. You you coach, but um, I coached against him. And this guy was quarterback on the football team, point guard on his basketball team, and shortstop on his baseball team. And he it was the number one the number one pick in the country by the Seattle Mariners. His name was Alex Rodriguez. So obviously playing three sports did not hurt Alex Rodriguez' baseball development. It probably, like you said, probably enhanced it because it gives you a good visual. It gets you away from, you know, if you do something all the time, all the time, that's why they have off-seasons in, in pro ball. It gives you a chance to get away and do other things with your family, play golf, go on vacations, and do all this, but uh, I, I just think that uh, these coaches and these people running these leagues and travel teams, select teams, and all that—I I just think that that they're they're missing the boat and they're hurting these kids. I, 
not that they want to hurt him, but I think not knowingly uh, they are hurting him. And we we have to get the message out. But I don't know if if you can get it out strong enough, hard enough, long enough for these guys and the parents to grasp it. Right, and, and the parents are the number one folks that need to be oh, uh, educated ever. on this. And, and and they're really, in, in all fairness, most of them are trying to do what they think is best. Folks, we're at another break. Uh, we're going to come back, talk uh, one more segment with, with Tommy John. And, and I do have a couple questions I, I want to ask you, actually one specifically from a buddy of mine that, that wanted me to ask this question. And I, like I said, I think I know the answer, but we'll see if I do when we get back from this break. Tommy John will be with us. Uh, see you in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Are tuned to the Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey at money planning.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. Tommy John with us today. And, you know, Tommy, I'm almost disappointed when we come back to the actual show because they're interrupting a really good conversation that we're having uh, about golf and and, and all this stuff. But, you know, we've talked a little bit. I I think it's pretty obvious as far as the young kids go. And, and again, it's not just baseball and it's not – uh, it's not just basketball. It's not just football. It's, it's everything in general and letting these kids actually learn to, to love the game. Uh, my story was actually somewhat similar to yours when I was reading it on your website about I probably loved, if not, if not more, I might have loved basketball as much if, as I did baseball. I just wasn't as good at it. I mean, you, you talk about not wanting six-foot-two guys that can't, can't uh, jump, but think about five eleven six foot guys that can't jump. The only thing, at, at least my saving grace in the years that I played was there was a three point line and I could shoot those. 
but uh, um, hey, I got a couple questions I want to ask you. Um, sure. And, and uh, the the one that that my my buddy Mark, this is for you. He he wanted me to ask you the question about uh, breaking balls or curveballs being thrown at, at young at young ages, and what's your opinion on on that, and uh, and whether um, kids should be doing that or not. Well, um, to me, uh, a breaking ball is a strength pitch. Mm-hmm. And by a, and by a strength pitch, you have to get your hand in the right position to throw the ball, and then all it is is a fastball with your hand turned slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Andrews has done a study and and has concluded that a curveball had puts no more strain on your elbow than a fastball, a changeup, uh, or or any other pitch. But I. I haven't had a chance to ask him that, but my thing is an improperly thrown curveball puts strain on your elbow. And, and I think um, um, my dad took me up to this guy who had played minor league ball in the Philly organization, and we all went to the same high school. And uh, he showed me how the Phillies taught their guys to throw a curveball. And I was maybe 13 years old. And he took me up there, and, you know, I gripped the ball, I threw it, and he went, that's perfect. I, have you been working on this? And I said, never in my life. <laughs> you know, but, I, and, and, and I'm saying that because I think when you start to throw a curveball, you can either throw a curveball or you can't throw a curveball. And I don't, I don't believe a curveball, a good curveball can be mm-hmm. taught. You can teach him to throw a slurve, but I mean a a, a true not twelve six, but for a righty one seven or a lefty eleven five. That curveball breaking more vertical than across. That's you either have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, it doesn't mean that you can't throw. You just have to throw a sloppier curveball, which is a slurve, a slider. You know now the the big thing is a cutter. You know, they uh-huh. throw fastball, cutter, fastball, cutter. Well, a cutter is nothing more than a slider when I was coming up. A, a slider was a little six-inch break. Mariano threw it to perfection, you know, uh-huh. and throwing just off your fastball, boom, and it juked in on your hands. Now guys call sliders. God, I see guys throw sliders that are coming close to being curveballs. But, uh-huh. uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, I, I, I just think that you, you can... If you're going to work with a kid, you can show him how to grip the ball. You, you can show him how the hand has to be when you throw the ball. And, you know, and just kind of get them, teach them the feel. And then as they get bigger and stronger, where they can get their hand in that spot all the time and throw it. I, when I was in the minor leagues or I was in the big leagues, I really believe I could have thrown a ball game throwing 80% curveballs. Uh-huh. And it would not have hurt my arm any more than throwing fastballs because I could throw a curveball. But then I learned that if I varied my arm angle on my curveball, if I varied my arm angle, I could throw a flatter curveball, a harder curveball, one up on top as a strikeout curveball down, and then I could take one up on top and flip it and make it um, a, a slow, uh, a slow curveball, and. Uh, you know, and, and I pitched all those years, Becky, with only throwing two pitches. I threw sinker, curveball, and that's all. I, I I never threw a cutter, never threw a slider, never threw a changeup. 
I couldn't learn the pitches. I, I was learning a changeup when I was 46. Dave LaPointe showed me how to throw a changeup, in, in, and I looked at him, and I said, nobody ever showed me this one. And <laughs> you can't throw it hard. You can throw it as hard as you want. The ball doesn't go hard. And I uh-huh. said, God, if I would have known, if I would have had this, you know, maybe I'd have won more games. And Dave said, maybe you might have lost more games too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. And I I thought that would be the answer that you would get because you know you know how it is in high school baseball. A lot of times your better players on the teams wind up they pitch at some point in time. And yeah, I can remember an Ameri- I can remember an American Legion pitching a nine inning complete game to turn around and catch a two seven-inning games and a doubleheader the next day. And I never had arm trouble. Um, yep. But you know, I, I didn't throw the, the, the true curveball. I actually I threw a slider by holding – I basically held half the ball is what I did. Right. And yep. it came out spinning, came out of my hand spinning. And, uh, man, let me tell you what, you can get high school hitters out all day long if you can throw one of those. Well, I had to, but, give, um, I, I had to give a clinic up at University of Minnesota about teaching – uh, developing a fastball. And uh, so my whole premise was, um, I said, you know, how many of you guys have been to 25 of these clinics? And almost everybody raised their hands, and I said 50. And I finally got one guy in there who had been about 80 or 90, some coach had. And I said, I bet you've got three or four binders, six, eight inches thick with all the material that these coaches have given you, you know, and I said, and they, te- they, they teach you or they show you how to throw a fastball, a sinker, a curveball, a slider, a changeup, a this. And I said, let, let me tell you, if you're in high school and, you're, and as a pitcher, you have to be a three- or four-pitch pitcher uh-huh. to be successful, you should really think about going to school, becoming a lawyer and an agent <laughs> if, if, if you want to be around. Because if you're going to be... To go to the next level, you got to be able to pitch in high school with two pitches, one and a half. Uh-huh. You got, and by that I mean your fastball has to blow guys away, and then you can spin a curveball. But if you got to be a three pitch pitcher in high school, it's uh, you're barking up the wrong tree, I think. Yeah. Well, Tom, we're coming close to the end of the show. I want to tell you uh, a sincere gratitude for your taking the time to be on the show. We've got a couple minutes. A couple minutes left, and I'm going to hit just real quick. For those of you that are working with your with your kids and pitching, and you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Tommy, I teach the kids location, 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 and when and we don't if we hit those locations, we do not have to throw all the other pitches that you're talking about. I simply go to my my better pitchers who are also my better players and say, "What pitch do you not like to hit?" And usually That's it's right. that pitch low and away. And I'll say, well, do you, I'll say, do you think that the rest of the guys don't like to hit that either? If you keep throwing it belt high against good hitters, they're going to hit it 300 feet or 350 feet or 400 feet. In your case, you guys ran into guys that could do it um, 500 feet. Tommy, we're at the end of the show. We have about 30 seconds left. What is it you want people to know um, before the show ends? Well, I think the big thing is teach your kids how to play the game on and off the field and let them have fun. And if they want to go on and pursue baseball down the line in high school or college or beyond, great. If not, don't force them into something and don't think that uh, they've got to be a, a uh, all-American pitcher to be good. Just go out, have fun, play the game. After the game, if you win, go to the Dairy Queen. If you lose, go to the Dairy Queen. 
Amen. Hey, Tommy, thank you so much for being on the show. Folks, if you want to know more about Tommy John, you can look at my website. There's a link to Tommy's website there as well. Folks, thank you so much. And I, I, that invitation to play golf at Prairie Dunes is an open invitation, Tommy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mickey. You don't know me. I will be there. <laughs> All right. I'll count, hey, I'll count on bye-bye. them. All right. All right. Bye-bye. so much for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here too. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.